In the name of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Our passage for our meditation this morning is our epistle reading that was previously read. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, when asked, people often from other countries will typically remark that Americans are cocky, they are proud, and even arrogant. And considering our economic power and our vast natural resources, which produce a remarkably high standard of living, it should not be a surprise to us that we are even tempted, tempted to think so highly of our native land. I mean, looking at all of our natural barriers, you've got the Atlantic and you've got the Pacific Oceans, looking at our military power, our freedoms have been gifted with very fertile conditions to grow and grow and grow. We are tempted to say nothing, nothing can hold us back. We are tempted to say nothing can stand in our way. We are America. We love our country. We work hard. We defend our freedoms. And we have earned what we have. But sometimes we Americans, myself included, forget the main reason that we have all that we enjoy. Namely, we have everything we have totally by God's grace and his grace alone. There's nothing in the Bible about our specific form of government. And there's nothing in the Bible that guarantees that this way of life, our way of life, will continue indefinitely. Now, it's very tempting to think that our nation's place in world history is because we must be doing something right, or we must be pleasing to God for some reason. But we must always remember that God will do with this nation what he alone chooses to do, regardless, regardless of which party is in the legislatures and regardless of who is in that Oval Office. Our country and our way of life stand by God's grace and his grace alone. Now, this example of our nation's prosperity applies to our beloved church, our synod as well. Her growth and expansion during the 19th and early to mid-20th centuries, wow, that was awesome. 
I can remember Walter League and all those things growing and growing. But now, in the last several years, it's been replaced with decades of decline. We've got closing parishes. Good friend of mine, district president, Iowa West. He mourns because he has to close parishes up there. We've had closing of schools. It is true in most Christian denominations. So, do each of these eras, the one of robust growth and the other of gradual decline, do they both display God's ever-present grace? In other words, were the previous period of growth and our present period of decline both truly, are they both truly under God's grace alone? Oh yes, we are led to believe by the devil that when churches fall off in numbers, we should be analyzed only by result-based measures. Not that we don't have to evaluate what we are doing, but when we do this totally based on that, we have a tendency to look back and we're tempted to think that it was our efforts then that, that gave a rise to a time of flourishing. And we must be doing something wrong when it goes the other way. I have a very good friend up in Minnesota, has a parish of about 650 plus. They've dropped Sunday school because the parents and the children don't have time to come to it on Sunday morning. Now, they have gone to more things on Wednesday evenings, which seems to help a little bit. But the point is that God's grace is with us in equal fashion during the growth times and the declining times. His grace, his love in Christ never leaves. In our passage for today, St. Paul tells his dear Corinthians that he's been given a revelation of the life to come in heaven. What Paul saw would rival St. John's revelation. And yet throughout this second epistle, Paul struggles to be heard by these hard-hearted members of the congregation. We have these incredible, incredible revelations on one hand, and yet closed-minded people on the other. And these internal struggles for Paul come to a climax in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul says that he himself, that he is still the poster child for God's grace. But he was given a trial. We're told he was given a temptation, a, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. And now, 
How is he going to deal with this? How would he be tempted to explain this problem, this challenge of life? Could this difficulty still be attributed to the grace of God? But let's look at our own world. Let's look at our own lives. This world says that only weak people give in to bad things and insults and injustices. And strong people, they stand up and fight back and work to bring justice upon their enemies. But what does God say? Our calling as his baptized children is to a seemingly radical life of worldly weakness, just as our Savior lived, and not to worldly strength. If we listen to all the well-meaning talking heads deliberately talking over the church and her message, we will be misled down the dark path principles and not down the lamp-led path of biblical truth. Such false principles may offer, a, may offer a quick fix to our sinfulness, but there is only one way to cure forgiveness, and that is through God's grace. God's grace. His, his grace in our life that comes only by faith in Jesus Christ. For God's grace in Christ is the only way to solve sinfulness. The love of Jesus sees us through this life to life everlasting. As we see in the lives of, of all our biblical saints and, and all the loved ones who have gone home before us, God's grace never stops working in their hearts, no matter what the struggle may be. And so it is in our lives, in the lives of our fellow Christians. God's grace stands with us no matter what the struggle may be. And the struggles are certainly here. Everything from family disagreements to divorce, anguish at work, economic woes, cancer and other health challenges, COVID, and even death. The list goes on and on. It does not matter your age, your sex, or your occupation. Life's turmoils in this world go on every single day. But thanks be to Jesus. Thanks be to Jesus for coming to our world, for taking on all our problems, for, for dying on that old rugged cross for all of our sin. He took it all upon his shoulders. Thanks be to Jesus for rising on Easter morning, absolutely assuring each of us that we have forgiveness and we have life everlasting. There, there is God's grace flowing from above, filling our hearts and lives 
each day, no matter what the hardships may be, God's grace is mightier than the thorn he allows. And we have all experienced the thorns of life, or we may have them now. I broke a tooth off a couple weeks ago. Mm. Mm. Oh, and of course, last night it started to kick up again. But life's turmoils are just always here. And St. Paul assures us that the power of God's grace spreads over us, coming, coming to us and covering us with the love of Jesus and his strength in our great weakness. Our Savior's words in verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. St. Paul and each of us gathered here today can only understand this by faith. As St. Paul goes on to say, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In his book, A Daily Walk with God, Herman Gockel tells the story of a traveler in Palestine who was talking to a local shepherd when he noticed that one of his sheep walked with great difficulty. And the shepherd explained, that sheep was born partially deaf. And when it was a little lamb, it persisted in straying from the flock. And then it could not hear my voice. Time and time again, I had to rescue it from the brink of disaster. And finally, I injured its leg. And ever since, it has limped. But it also stays close to me for guidance, for safety, and for protection. God found it necessary to send St. Paul a thorn in the flesh so that St. Paul would stay close to his Lord. And so it is with each of us, our country and our church. God's grace is greater than any thorn. The love of Jesus covers us and fills us with forgiveness and gives us life now and forever. Oh, how much God loves each of you. Thanks be to Jesus, my friends. Thanks be to Jesus. Amen. And now the peace which only comes from above. Fill our hearts with faith unto life everlasting. Amen. <laughs>